morning's scripture reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, and and at this time we're going to start in verse 25. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just penetrate through to our hearts this morning, through the Word of God. Matthew 11, verse 25 says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Will you pray with me? Oh, great God, you have wonderful truths contained in your word for us. You want to speak to us, and so help us um, to put aside our, our pride and our distractions and our own agendas and just um, listen to you. Align our will with yours, Father. And I invite you to just take a moment. Uh, and, and open your heart to receive. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you ears to hear. Lord, move me aside and, and do what you will in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, my name is Zach Anderson. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, uh, and I'm proud to serve as one of the pastors here at Covenant Uh, My wife's name is Kelsey, and she is, sorry mom, the most amazing woman that I know, and you're next. Um, uh, She's very beloved to me, but God bless her heart, and those of you from the South know that what follows after God bless her heart is usually not a compliment. Um, She cannot tell a story worth anything. Okay, she's the worst storyteller that I know. She just starts right in the middle and leaves out incredibly crucial details. She'll be like, oh man, I was so mad at you. I was just, I was furious. And I'm like, okay, uh, uh, yesterday, I'm good, last night, five seconds ago. What, what did I do? Oh, well, you know what, I'll tell you what you did. I had, um, by the way, I'm adding sass. She's very sweet. She doesn't talk like this. But I'm adding sass for comedic effect, just to be honest with you guys. I'll tell you what you did. Right after I cleaned the kitchen counters, and you know how much I love a clean kitchen counter, you came and you made oatmeal on my kitchen counters, and you spilled oatmeal everywhere. And did you clean it up? No, you did not. 
I don't remember having oatmeal in the last 48 hours. Like, how long has this been festering for you? I'm so sorry. Like, let me go clean it up right now. And she's like, no, no, I'm telling you about my dream I had last night. (laughs) Okay, you might want to lead with that next time, honey. But I think that so often when we read the Bible, we forget that we're starting in the middle. It happened uh, to me, even, with today's passage. When I first read it a couple of weeks ago to see what I was going to be preaching about, I read this passage and I was like, what in the world is going on in Matthew chapter 11? Okay, the, the end is really nice, right? Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But did you hear the first part? And how in the world does it connect to the second part? Jesus says, the Father, uh, no one knows these things except those whom the Father chooses to reveal them to, because he hides things from the wise and the learned, and he reveals them to little children. What is this? And no one knows the Son but the Father. No one knows the Father but the Son and those whom the Son reveals the Father to. How does this connect? And I forgot that I was starting in the middle. And so an encouragement to you guys, I've spoken with a number of you who have said that you want to uh, learn from the Bible, learn how to read the Bible and interpret it. And so one encouragement that I have is just... uh, This takes practice, just like anything else takes practice. If you want to run fast, you need to do the things that train your legs to be able to run fast. If you want to be able to read the Bible, you just practice. And so uh, imagine where you could be a year from now if 365 days in a row you spent just 10 minutes looking at the Bible. You would would grow so much in your ability to to skillfully read and interpret Scripture. And then a helpful tool is that almost every chapter and verse in the Bible, when you read it, you're actually starting in the middle of a grander story. Um, And so our passage today opens up with uh, this phrase, at that time, Jesus said. So Bible scholars in the room, which can be all of you, What's the question we need to ask ourselves when we start by reading that? Anyone dare to venture a guess? At that time, Jesus said, what do we need to ask? What time is it? Thank you, Pastor Jason. You don't count. At that time, Jesus said, well, what time is it? What is the time that Matthew is writing about? Or what is the time about which Matthew is writing? Grammar. And so to learn this, we have to back up a few verses to uh, verse 7 of chapter 11. Verse 7 sets the, the scene for us. We learn that Jesus is talking to a big crowd. And then in verse 21, Jesus goes on this rant. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin! And woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Then, continuing in verse 23, Jesus says, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, 
it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Do you guys remember Sodom in Genesis? Sodom was, was the town that was full of wickedness. Absolutely vile and disgusting wickedness. And Jesus is saying that it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the people of Sodom who were destroyed because of their sin than for Capernaum because Capernaum had miracles performed there and yet they did not repent. So what's going on here? Well, we have these, these three towns that Jesus is denouncing and, and we'll pull up a map so you can see what this looks like. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, and they're all right next to each other. And, and just to give you some context, this is, uh, they're all maybe one to two miles apart, very easy walking distance, especially for that time. And so this region here, we learn in verse uh, 20 of Matthew 11, is where Jesus did most of his miracles. Uh, in this region, Jesus healed the man born blind, he fed the 5,000, he walked on water, etc., and if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, we get even a little more context about Capernaum specifically. Matthew chapter 4 tells us that Capernaum is where Jesus lived as an adult. And it says all the way back in chapter 4 that he began to preach for the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent means to turn away from your sin, not just to stop engaging with your sin, but to literally turn away from it and go the other direction. He said, repent, turn away from your sin because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so Jesus here in this, this message, this denunciation is expressing great sorrow that in spite of his ministry in these areas, he, he lived among these people. He knew these people. And despite all of the miracles that he performed in the gospel that he preached, they did not repent And then right here in the middle of this rant is where we have today's passage. And Jesus just flows right into prayer in verse 25. It's a beautiful example of the intimacy that he had with the Father. And he says, I praise you, Father, for you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So what's going on here? The question we need to ask ourselves now, Bible scholars, is what are the, these things that Jesus is talking about. Well, we have a clue um, in, the, in the verses leading up to it that we just read. These things, I've done the work, I'll just tell you, it's the things that lead people to repentance. The things that lead people to repentance. And so Jesus says that the Father has hidden these things from the wise and learned. So the next question we have to ask is, who are the wise and the learned. And we have a clue in verse 23. We just read it. Let's see if you can pick it out. Jesus says in verse 23 of chapter 11, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? You hear that sound of arrogance from the people of Capernaum? Like they thought, we've got this. We don't need your miracles, your message of repentance, Jesus. We, we think that we ought to be exalted. And Jesus, I imagine sorrowfully sarcastic, says, Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Because you've seen the miracles and you've heard the message and you haven't repented. These people were proud. 
And in James and in Proverbs, we learn that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so the way that God is opposing these proud people of Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin is that he has hidden the things that lead to repentance from them because they were likely too proud to receive it anyways. But the things that lead to repentance, the Father reveals to the little children, to the humble. Church, let us be a people marked by humility. And then Jesus goes into this part about knowing the Father and knowing the Son. He says in 27, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So the question we must ask if we are a people that want to know the Father is who else will Jesus choose to reveal the Father to? And how can I be counted among that number? And Jesus gives the answer in the very next verse, and it's couched within one of the sweetest, most incredible invitations in all of Scripture. Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me. Who? All you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. So to whom does Jesus reveal the Father? It's to all who are weary and burdened and will come to him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does this mean? Well, a yoke is something that would go around the neck of an ox. And a a farmer would would use the yoke to lead and guide the ox to, to pull a carriage or a wagon of goods or people. Or to maybe pull a plow across a field to prepare it for crops. Now, if we're reading this, and we hear that Jesus says, if you're tired, come to me, I'll give you rest, take my yoke. The yoke should stick out. Yoke doesn't seem to fit in with rest. I know what a yoke does. It's for oxen to prepare uh, fields for planting. Back when I was in high school, um, I hated science. And I still don't love it, but it's not right here in front of my face anymore, so it's kind of in the background. Uh, But at that time, the impending year of science, my new science curriculum was was bearing down upon me, and I was dreading it. Uh, But I was homeschooled, and when you're homeschooled in Texas, you can do awesome things. And my mom, the best teacher, said, well, Zach, how would you like to get a botany credit this year by instead of doing a textbook having a garden in the backyard, and I was like, yes, I will do anything to avoid a science textbook, Uh, and so I started to do research, and I got super hyped up. Something you may not know about me yet, if you don't know me that well, is when I jump into something, I go in all the way, even before I know what it entails, and so I'm doing research. I'm so stoked, and I'm like, what kind of vegetables should I grow in this climate, in this time of year? Uh, And I got together with one of my friends, dads, who had an amazing garden, and I was like, tell me everything you know about gardening. And I'm writing it down in my my binder. Uh, I was so hyped about this garden that before I even touched a shovel, true story, I changed the password to my Facebook account to... Z loves gardening. (laughs) I've not gardened 
a, a moment of my life at this point. And I was like, Mom, Dad, I think I'm going to be a farmer. I know my career path now. And so the day came to prepare the backyard. I had to dig up the sod and put a border and fill it with topsoil and plant and pull weeds and get the roots out. And let me just say, Z did not, I repeat, not love gardening. And you can no longer use that to hack my Facebook account because I changed it back real quick. Having a yoke sounds like a burden. So Jesus, if I'm already tired and burdened and I'm coming to you to get rest, why do I want to wear your yoke? Why do I want to take your burden? I'm trying to get rid of my burdens. But Jesus says the most incredible thing. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. Wow, Lord, help us to grasp this. Jesus just said that the Father has committed all things to him. Jesus is the king of kings. All the kings of the earth bow to the true king, Jesus. He's the Lord of lords. All things are his, and yet he says that if you come to him and take his yoke, that he will be gentle with you, and that he is Humble in heart? What an awesome God you are, Lord. When Jesus is referring to the person who is burdened, he's talking about a spiritual burden. For all my teen years and even into my early 20s, I carried some heavy spiritual burdens. The first one... The top layer uh, is that I felt hopelessly addicted to pornography for 10 years. And every time after I was done watching, I would immediately feel this intense weight, burden of guilt drop upon my shoulders. And it was so heavy, the spiritual burden was so heavy that my physical shoulders would sag at the weight of it, how awful I felt. But there was a deeper burden that I carried. It was this, I knew that God was willing, I knew in my head from reading the Bible that God was willing to take that burden from me, in fact, that, that Jesus had already paid the price. If I would just come to him and confess my sins, it was gone. But I would wait. I would wait to face God. Because I believed that I needed to clean myself up a bit first. I believed that God was tired of hearing my confessions that sounded so similar day after day. And it wasn't true. But even that was rooted in an even more sinister, heavy spiritual burden. It was rooted in this, that even though I knew the gospel says that Jesus 
has paid the price for my sin, and all I have to do is believe and, and confess him. In my heart, I believed that I had to do enough to earn God's love. That's a heavy burden. Even to this day, I wrestle with myself to not pick that burden back up because God has lifted it from my shoulders. My counselor always reminds me, Zach, you aren't God's do-loved. You're his beloved. Thank you, God. God places no spiritual burden upon your shoulders to do anything to be worthy of his love. He calls you his beloved because all you must do is be loved. That's it. Now, this doesn't mean that, um, that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything in his kingdom. In fact, he invites us to wear his yoke. He says, I want to partner with you in the work of seeking and building the kingdom of heaven. But here's how this makes sense. Here's the kicker. He says, take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. And then you will find rest for your souls when you learn from Jesus. So why does learning matter? Here's why. Because the more you learn from Jesus, the more he reveals to you the loving father who loves you as his little child, his little son, his little daughter with the perfect kind of love from a father, not the broken kind from your earthly father. And I don't care, not I don't care, I don't mean that some earthly fathers are like the heavenly father and some aren't. Every, the best earthly father falls terribly short of the love of the heavenly father. Jesus wants to teach you of that love. And when you learn from Jesus and you learn that he said things like in Matthew 20, 28, that he, though he is the king of kings, did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you learn things like that, when you learn that Jesus gave his very life on the cross for you, When you learn that Jesus asks for your love and your surrender, and that's it. Everything else that he invites you to do in his kingdom, he actually comes up under you and lifts you and your burdens both. When you learn that, you will find rest for your souls because the burden is no longer on your shoulders, but it's on the the shoulders of Jesus. The great cornerstone. Now there might be a few types of people listening to this message right now and I need to speak to each of you. The first category is maybe you know that you are weary and burdened and you're longing for some rest. Jesus invites you to come to him. 
Jesus invites you to come to him today. Whether you've come to him before or this would be the first time he invites you to come to him. The Christian who's been a Christian, a believer for 50 years can come to Jesus today and receive his rest. If you have allowed yourself to pick up a spiritual burden that God has not placed on your shoulders, he will take it. The next category of people is maybe you're sitting here listening and you don't feel weary and burdened. And if you don't feel weary and burdened right now, then you're in one of two categories and you need to ask yourself this question. Have I surrendered to Jesus? Have I taken his yoke? If the answer to that is yes, then praise God for you are walking and experiencing what it is like to live where Jesus is bearing you and your burdens. But if you don't feel weary and burdened right now, and you know deep in your heart that you've not surrendered to Jesus, then I hope this passage is a wake-up call for you because Jesus said that the wise and learned, the proud, that God hides the things that lead to repentance from them. And so if you don't feel weary and burdened and you've not surrendered to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, the Father is hiding the things that lead to repentance from you because you would be too proud to receive it anyway. And so if that's you, check your heart. Humble yourself. It's too risky not to. beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't rule you out if you're proud, but rather invites you to change. So humble yourself. Don't carry the spiritual burden that says, I have to be, I have to be beautiful enough to be worthy of God's love. I have to spend hours and hours and thousands of dollars on my appearance to be worthy of love from God or man. I have to be successful enough in my career to be worthy of love, to be liked by others. Or students, kids. I have to be good enough in school or good enough in my sport, my activity to be worthy of love. It's not true. God doesn't place that spiritual burden on your shoulders. If you walk around saying, other people don't like me, so, so I don't like me. I must not be worthy of love. And you walk around telling yourself how, how dumb you are, or how bad you are, how, how unworthy you are, how unlovable you are. Stop it. If you are weary and burdened, Accept this sweet and gentle invitation of Jesus to come to him, to be with him, to take his yoke and to learn from him, to learn that he is gentle with you, he is humble in his heart towards you, that he came to serve you, to offer his life for you. And please know to anyone listening, if, if you don't know how to take that step towards Jesus, 
any of us here at this church, I would love to talk to you about this. And you don't have to to clean yourself up before you come and talk to me. By God's help, I will be able to offer you the kind of love that Jesus has and that he'll take you as you are. It will not be surprising to me if you are a sinner. That's expected. So please reach out. If you feel a twinge in your heart that you don't know how to take a step towards Jesus and you want to, please reach out. We would love to talk to you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this sweet promise, this sweet invitation. Search our hearts, Lord. Let us be willing, willing to confess our incapability of of making it on our own, that we need you. I ask you, Lord, that, that you would lift us up and and carry us one step closer to you wherever we are today. I surrender to you, Lord, if, if you're willing to pray that. Whatever you say in your heart, I surrender to you.